0: A system is perfectly designed to achieve the results it achieves and so you know we have broken systems in this country and you know that has been perpetuated for many many years uh, and that has led to a lot of these issues that that we are in or we are facing right now.
1: Welcome to the ACO show. Many of the things that most affect patients health are things that are not typically addressed in a doctor's office. Issues like poverty, access to healthy food, and safe home environments. These are called the social determinants of health. On today's episode, we talk with Dr. Alicia Cole, an expert in this field, about why social determinants of health matter and how healthcare providers and healthcare systems can begin to address these challenges. Welcome to the ACO Show. We are joined today by Dr. Alicia Cole of Atrium Health, where she is the Chief Community Impact Officer. Uh, And I'm Josh Israel, a Medical Director here at Allidade. And I'm Joe Schunkweiler.
2: I'm a physician, and I also lead adoption and training here at Allidade. Dr. Cole, thanks for joining us.
0: Thank you for having me.
2: Now, you are the Chief Community Impact Officer. I love that title uh, at Atrium Health. Tell me, tell me a little bit more about what that is.
0: Yes. Yeah, so I will say I often am asked that question when I tell people what, what my title is. So um, I initially started out as the first Vice President and System Medical Director for Community Health uh, with specific responsibilities over some of our community health initiatives out in, uh, in the neighborhoods that we were serving uh, back in 2016. Um, as we did a community health improvement study and our community, identified social determinants as an area that they would like for our system to become more engaged with. Uh, I started to then help drive conversations at the system level to focus on some of those social determinants, including things like food insecurity, um, housing, uh, financial stability, etc. And so as that scope of work uh, started to expand... Um, the decision was made to, uh, you know, kind of as I was promoted to have more responsibility to change my title to the chief community impact officer. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, we wanted our organization to be able to speak to the positive impact that we have in the communities that we serve beyond just the healthcare needs.
2: I really think uh, calling out that kind of role with a C-suite title says a lot about the organization. So that's uh, clearly something that's important to Atrium Health.
0: It definitely is. And it completely aligns with our, our mission, which is to improve health, elevate hope, and advance healing for all. Uh, and so taking care of everyone has always been kind of in the fabric of our DNA, but I always tell people we were intentional about the improved health and not improved health care because, again, as the largest employer in the region, as the largest Medicaid provider in the state of North Carolina, as the largest safety net provider in this region, we really are responsible for you know, taking care of our patients and our communities beyond just providing them health care.
1: For people who don't know Atrium Health, can you tell us a little bit about that? What kind of organization is it? Where is it? Who do you serve?
0: Yes, definitely. So uh, Atrium Health, formerly Carolina's health care system, uh, is a fully integrated, full spectrum um, health care system. Uh, we are based out of Charlotte, North Carolina, but we uh, cover North Carolina, South Carolina and Georgia. Uh, we have over fifty hospitals, um, about uh, close to seventy thousand teammates, um, and we provide full service from hospital care, outpatient care, nursing home care, home health, I mean, rehab so you know anything that you can think of in the healthcare care continuum, uh, we pretty much provide those services so um, very very large organization again obviously located in in the southeast, which has significant social challenges, um, which is one of the things that I also think sets um, Atrium apart from some of our other um, healthcare systems across the country.
2: And it seems like social determinants of health is a topic that's really coming up more and more in journals and at conferences and uh, just in general discussion in this area. Can can you give our listeners uh, your definition of, of what that entails, social determinants of health?
0: Yeah, so social determinants of health really encompass the things um, that impact health out, outside of um, healthcare services. So, if you really think of where people live, where they work, where they play, where they worship, you know, all the things kind of outside of the clinical care walls um, that really impact health. And if you look at what the research has told us um, over 50 years of, of research, Uh, that uh, what actually impacts health, about 80% of that happens outside of the clinical care walls. So when you really think of things uh, around education or um, employment, for example, or the ability to access healthy foods, you know, all of these different things actually have more of an impact on an individual's health, um, you know, when compared to, you know, them coming in to see me as a family medicine doctor.
1: And what can healthcare providers do about things outside their walls?
0: Yes, that's a great question. It's one that uh, I'm often uh, asked, and you know, I am still a practicing family medicine doctor, uh, so I'm, I'm very familiar with the sometimes the restraints um, that are put up on us um, in a very busy uh, clinical practice. However, I will say there are things that we are often addressing as the physician or as the um, the clinical care provider, um, that has to do with things outside of um, their medical diagnosis. And so, for example, example, we are often dealing with behavioral health issues um, in the clinic environment. Uh, we now know that majority of people with uh, mental health diagnosis are often coming in through their primary care offices uh, first. Uh, and even oftentimes receiving those diagnoses from from a primary care physician, uh, we're often talking about barriers to people um, achieving good health. So if you think about even someone not taking medications, you know, why are people not taking medications? So I still teach medical in residence, and one of the things they know, one of my kind of quirks as an attending is don't use the word noncompliant. I, d- I think that's one term that we should take out of our vocabulary in healthcare. I don't believe that uh, people want to be unhealthy. I think people have barriers to achieving good health. And so it's our responsibility as the healthcare system, as healthcare providers, to figure out and help people identify what those barriers are and then help them work on solutions to those things. So if it's around transportation, if it's around not having access to healthy food, um, you know, versus someone having a side effect to a medication. You know, those are all things that we should be talking to our patients about and really trying to get to the crux of, of what those issues are. And I think as we transition into a more value-based um, reimbursement model, that actually does set up the framework for us to be able to have those conversations more easily.
2: Dr. Cole, as you uh, described that, I'm reminded of, Uh, my own uh, internal medicine rotation when I was in medical school. It seems like a million years ago now for me. uh, But that with this particular case that I was discussing, I was a med student. I had several residents on it. We went through our whole treatment plan for for a very sick patient at a very busy uh, urban hospital in New York City. And um, the attending uh, smartly asked, that all makes sense, but how's that person going to get a meal to go with that? to prescribe it and how are they gonna get to the store to get food to make that meal? And it sounds intuitive now and the way you laid it out sounds so straightforward, but we had spent so much time in a hospital setting, worried about treating a very sick person and their diseases, um, that we sort of lost track of that. And it, honestly, we, we weren't set up in that health system to to even address that. Um, right. So I guess my question is, How do you think, as you're tackling this, what is the role of a healthcare organization to tackle challenges? Because it it seems very daunting when you you think about it that way.
0: Yeah, so I do think that um, as a healthcare system and and quite frankly, as a healthcare industry, we do have a responsibility to start to address um, some of these issues and at least um, ask our patients these questions. Um, I don't think it's only the healthcare responsibility to um, fix all the problems <laughs> that exist. Uh, you know, I, one of my favorite Edward Deming quotes is, "A system is perfectly designed to achieve the results it achieves." And so you know, we have broken systems in this country. And, you know, that has been perpetuated for many, many years, uh, and that has led to a lot of these issues that that we are in or we are facing right now. Um, So I don't think it's our responsibility to necessarily fix those issues, but I do think it's our responsibility to really understand our patients in a more holistic way and work very intentionally and strategically with our community partners to address those needs. Uh, And so given all of the... Solutions that are out there, um, from technology to just different community organizations. Uh, you know, there are resources that are available to our to our patients and to our community members uh, to really start to be more intentional about the social determinants of health. So it is a different way of thinking <laughs> to your point, and it you know, and even today, even with social determinants being a a, a way more um, recognized, if you will, issue, um, it's still very, very um, difficult sometimes to introduce that into a clinical workflow Um, because, you know, if you're used to just addressing someone's diabetes, hypertension, and, and heart disease, and now you add on food insecurity... So well, that's just a different way of thinking. Uh, and so we had to be really intentional about how we introduced um, our social determinant questionnaire uh, into our clinical workflows uh, and quite frankly, flexible enough to, to allow for there to be variability. So what, how you know this process works in the inpatient uh, facility may be different than how it works in the nursing home or how it works in the outpatient family medicine um, office. Um, so that was one of the things that we learned as we, you know, embarked on this process. And then, you know, the thing that I heard from my colleagues, I made sure that the people who were the front line, uh, who were delivering the care every day, were a part of this process from the very beginning. And one of the things that we heard was, okay, you now want me to question patients about food insecurity or financial stability or housing. I can do that, but then what do I do when they say? Uh, no, I don't have any food for tomorrow, or no, I don't have transportation. Um, and so we wanted to make sure that we had a solution to at least be able to connect patients to resources before we launched our, um, our questionnaire across the system. And so for us, we did utilize Aunt Bertha, which is an uh, electronic community resource, plat- resource platform that we're now able to refer our patients to community partners. They're able to talk back to me, you know, as a family medicine doctor to say, yes, we received that referral. The referral is closed. They received services, Um, or they did not. Um, We referred them to another organization. So that's been really helpful um, in addressing some of these social determinants for our patients, and also for the community at large. I really
1: liked your quote about systems being designed for certain things. Uh, I heard a speaker recently saying, you think our healthcare system is broken, but it, it isn't broken at all. It works fantastic. You just wish that it was designed for patient health outcomes. It is, in fact, designed for provider revenue. And it, exactly. it works. Well. <laughs> uh, it, is what we're discussing filling in the gaps that if we had a more kinder, gentler country or more comprehensive social services, it, are we talking about filling in those gaps or is it something else?
0: Well, I, I, think, I think that there is uh, there continues to be in this country a lack of coordination, um, particularly between healthcare organizations and community-based organizations. Um, and I think that's a big part of the conversation that is happening right now. And you see a lot of different collaboratives and, and partnerships that um, you know are popping up left and right um, as people really start to think more strategically about how they work together to improve the overall health of the communities that they serve. So, you know, I think that's one of the, the critical um, elements. And often as a, a hospital or a health system, we do have a unique opportunity to serve as a convener um, of those, you know, those conversations. And, and I think that is a unique role that hospital and health systems can, um, can you know, can provide um, and, and something to, to think about.
1: I'm struck by some of the parallels with other organizations like churches and synagogues and even schools where the teachers describe some of the same issues where they're trying to educate kids but the kids are hungry you know the kids are cold and the teachers often feel like i know these are issues i know they're not going to learn math if they haven't had breakfast but i'm i'm under equipped
0: yes no it, it's exactly the same and, and i think that's part of the the value of collaborating and convening because you often get into the room and you do realize that the same thing that we're seeing with our patients, teachers are seeing with their students, you know, um, pastors are seeing with their congregation. I mean, we are all struggling with some of the same issues, um, and yet we each bring unique skill set and resources to the table that are often siloed. Uh, and so you know by working together is where you really start to to create that more holistic model of care um, that you know again not only includes clinical care but also includes the the social aspect of it as well. So we have um, multiple partnerships uh, currently with um, faith community. We actually have a faith community health ministry that is very embedded in a lot of our congregations across. The entire region. We also partner with a lot of different schools um, in, in different ways. Again, just being mindful of what the needs are of those individual schools. So, you know, one of my favorite um, programs that we have been able to launch and we've had tremendous success around has been our um, school virtual health program, which we actually launched in one of our Title I elementary schools in a rural county in North Carolina, Cle- Cleveland County. Uh, and that was based off of, um, you know, quite frankly, looking at our ER utilization, our emergency room utilization of a hot, one of our hospital facilities in that county and recognizing that we had a large, unnecessary um, emergency room utilization pattern in children with asthma. And as we started to look more in depth at that kind of that data, uh, started to notice that, wait a minute, these kids seem to be coming from the same zip code. Uh, and, you know, they tended to be elementary-based uh, or elementary school age. And so, you know, then we're able to go to that school nurse and that principal, start having conversations there. And that's where we found out that she the school nurse was sending a child to the ER once every five days. So at least once a week she was sending a child to the emergency room, often by EMS, um, because the parents often worked outside the county and couldn't get to the school in time uh, for mm-hmm. asthma exacerbations, and they weren't sick enough to be admitted, um, but the reason that she had to send them was things like they didn't have an albuterol inhaler uh, at the school, or they didn't have a spacer, or they had run out of their controller medication, uh, and so we were we were able to work with that school nurse to embed virtual. Um school health, you know an electronic stethoscope and a and a, a virtual otoscope, um, and connect those children back to one of our pediatric practices uh, in that community so since launching that program we've seen a fifty percent reduction in kids being dismissed from school we've seen a seventy seven percent reduction in unnecessary ed utilization for that cohort of students who have participated uh, in the school health program, and we have also seen an increase in the number of patients establishing in our pediatric practice because once they've become kind of virtual patients through our school program, they end up coming to us for their routine well-child checks, um, you know, and other things. So, uh, And I think one of the, the, uh, the other things that we have seen with that program, we've seen grades start to go up because the absenteeism rates have gone down. Uh, and we've seen an increase in parent satisfaction, um, you know, and also just a, an ability for them to stay at work. So it's it's just been an amazing program. We have now started to expand that program to other rural counties that we serve um, because access is such an issue, um, particularly in our rural communities.
2: I'm, I'm struck, Dr. Cole, by how many of the uh, terms and descriptions are very similar to the language of value-based care uh, in, in ACOs or accountable care organizations, but other value-based healthcare contracts and entities where our whole mission is to reduce costs, but improve health and improve quality, uh, not just maintain, but improve. And um, it seems like social determinants of health would be a great way to, to get at that, although Relatively few within the value-based care space have have taken this on in a systematic way. Um, I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Like, Where where do you see the opportunity through these newer payment models uh, to really go after um, some of these thornier challenges that we're facing?
0: Yes. Well, I think the the first thing is just getting over the fear of addressing social determinants um, and not being afraid to act. Um, I think that has been one of the the key barriers that we work through even in our own organization. Um, but you know it's one of those things if you uh, if you don't know, you can't do better <laughs> so um, so you know data is so critically important, and I think you know in a, in a, in an aCO model, you really do need to know your patient population if you're trying to to your point, improve health outcomes um, and reduce cost. Uh, and so we, you know, we have the opportunity now um, to be able to ask patients these questions, uh, and we should. Now, I, you know, I think the other thing I would say is, um, however, there is uh, recognition that we can't address the issues by ourselves. Um, and I think that's, again, where partnerships are critically important. I think it's so uh, necessary that people start to think about how they partner, who they partner with, um, and and be really strategic and, again, intentional. Uh, those are like my two favorite words when it comes to partnerships, you know, moving beyond just, oh, well, we served this community or we provided this number of screenings at at this church. You know, we have to really move past that, and we have all of the tools Uh, necessary to be able to do that. So, you know, I think being willing to have different uh, conversations with different uh, partners and and some of those partners may be, um, you know, people that historically have been seen as competitors. Um, You know, one of the uh, other areas that I'm most proud about is um, the One Charlotte Health Alliance, which is a new joint venture that we launched um, at Atrium Health along with uh, what most people would view as our competitor, Novant Health, uh, along with the Mecklenburg County Public Health Department, to really focus on the six zip codes in Mecklenburg County that have significant social challenges as well as significant um, medical issues and, and disease burden. One of the things that we we said with that work is, you know, uh, we need to focus on the social determinants of health and, and really um, help connect our community members to resources that that do exist, but often in communities that have been historically excluded, they don't know that these resources exist. Um, So with that partnership, we've launched two medical um, mobile units where we serve those six public health priority zip code areas, providing medical, behavioral health, and dental services. And we also just recently launched two mobile food pharmacies um, a couple weeks ago because these areas sit in food deserts, and so now we're able to take healthy food um, to the community versus them having to you know travel you know sometimes two or three bus transfers to get to a grocery store that serves healthy food um, and so that again, that was listening to our community members and our patients who live in those six public health priority zip code areas and saying, you know this is one area." that both of our organizations are committed to improving and we need to work together.
1: Dr. Alicia Cole, Chief Community Impact Officer at Atrium Health, we appreciate your time and your insights.